2: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I am Tony Vernetti from Feds, Federal Employee Defense Services, and today is Friday, May 8th, 2015, and we have an important show for you today. Um, in the wake of the recent events in Baltimore and the other events earlier in the year in Ferguson and New York City, uh, there really seems to be an anti law enforcement sentiment in the air these days. So, with next week being Police Week here in Washington, D.C., and May 15th, being National Police Officers Memorial Day, I'm gonna spend some time today talking about the positive things that those in law enforcement do and the sacrifices they make every day. If you don't know, the events of, of Police Week are conducted each year to honor those law enforcement officers who have paid the ultimate sacrifice so we're gonna have some represent we're gonna have a representative from a little later in the show from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund talk to us about what they're doing for Police Week. And now I'd like to bring on um, Sarah Sloan from Concerns of Police Survivors. Sarah is the director of public relations at COPS. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning.
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
2: Sure. Tell us a little bit about uh, COPS, what your organization does, what it supports, and, and what it's doing for Police Week.
3: Sure. Um, COPS is now in their 31st year, um, and we our mission is all about rebuilding the shattered lives of surviving family members of law enforcement. Um, We grew from back in 1984, we had 10 spouses involved, and now we have over 30,000 families. Unfortunately, we're the only organization that we do not want our membership to grow, and it is growing rapidly. Um, So Police Week is the first time for surviving families to be introduced to cops, and it's really the first time that they're introduced to other surviving families to show that they're not alone in this.
2: You're right when I was um, preparing for the show and I was you know you know sadly just looking at at the news um, from the day before and we had a, a, a law enforcement officer killed in Long Island uh, Brian Moore only 20, 25 years old um, and they were covering his memorial service and I was just thinking about you know, what you all do at COPS and, and, and how important that is. Because it's, it's easy to, to get support, to show, you know, empathy, sympathy um, during the actual funeral and memorial event. But um, after that, and, you know, everybody goes home, life goes on, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, the families, you know, families and other loved ones and colleagues all look to each other, what, you know, what do we do next?
3: Right, and that's exactly what COPS is all about because we recognize that, yeah, you're surrounded for those first weeks. And in any death, the families and the friends, they're they're by your side for a good two to three weeks, and then they all go back to work. They all go back to their lives. And the families and even some of the affected coworkers, you know, they're left struggling with this. So, you know, COPS isn't necessarily about monetary help. We're about giving you the grief needs that you And your family are desperately needing. Um, so that's why we're, we're generously funded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Um, we have a grant that, um, we compete for every two years and they, you know, they've been so great. And as we continue to grow, they grow with us and they recognize the needs for more and more programs. You know, this year we're adding, we have 11 hands on programs and We've had to add two this year um, to include the spouses of coworkers because a lot of times the affected coworkers, they spend more time with that, with the coworker that lost his life than their own families. And when that's lost, you know, they come home and their families don't know how to help them grieve. So we have added one of the retreats for coworkers and their spouses so the spouses can come and tell us what they're going through and get the help that they need.
2: You know, that's, that's something, you know, that I really hadn't, you know, in preparing for this show, I hadn't really thought about, um, you know, just, you know, how the, you know, not just the immediate families and all that stuff, but but how the co-workers and things like that um, deal deal with the grief. Um, so that's an important service that you all provide. Um, go ahead and take us through, I guess, the week, uh, police week, the, the different events that, that you all will be in, involved in.
3: Sure. Um, well, all families register through COPS. Um, But we work hand-in-hand with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund and the FOP. So we provide the transportation to those events, um, the candlelight vigil, of course, on the 13th, um, and then the memorial service on the 15th. But our main days are the 14th and the 16th, which is the National Police Survivors Conference. And, again, this is where survivors are introduced to cops. They understand what we do throughout the year, not just the week of National Police Week. Um, But the conference has several different grief sessions, um, and they're all specific to the survivor needs. So, you know, spouses will go with other spouses. We even break it up, you know, if it was a felonious death or if it was accidental because the the grief can often be so different. And we just let the survivors know that they're no longer alone. Like, cops is there for them for as long as they need. There is no time limit for the grief that they're feeling. We understand the tragedy that was dispelled. And we're doing everything we can to also prevent that. That's why we focus on the coworkers too, because a lot of times when they experience line of duty death, that's when they kind of start to neglect their their safety and you know it just it just keeps going on so
2: and do you have do you have special activities or sessions for for children for the kids
3: absolutely um on the fourteenth and sixteenth while the parents are, or the, you know, any any of the adults are in their sessions. Um, we do have COPS kids and teens activities, and this is where so many officers volunteer their time, and they take them to um, one day they go to the FBI National Academy in Quantico, um, and then the other day they go to Flexi which I can't actually tell you what that is. I don't have the paper in front of me, but um, it's, it's a new location that they're going to this year. But basically they get to go see the behind the scenes of how like the FBI, the Secret Service, how they train. So we have these fun events for kids that have experienced this tragedy, and it's for kids and the siblings of fallen officers. So um, it, it's just a time for them to get out and have fun and, again, meet kids for the first time that are going through exactly what they're going through.
2: Right, so it's somebody else that they can talk to, uh, you know, identify with. Exactly. Um, Tell us about the the order of the Blue Ribbons.
3: Okay, um, the Blue Ribbons, that actually closed on May 1st, but um, we actually sold out, we sent over 300,000 blue ribbons out nationwide. Um, but there's other things. If you don't have blue ribbons, which we understand that a lot of the vehicles now don't have antennas that used to be that, big. That was going to be honored. my question. <laughs> yeah, we understand that. So um, actually on the back of our newsletter, um, I, I gave people other ideas. You know, mail, put it on the mailbox, put it on your motorcycle, anything that can have a blue ribbon attached. But there's other ways, you know, change your porch light to a blue light bulb to show your support. And my personal favorite is if you see a police officer this week or any week, thank that police officer, because especially in the wake of the recent events, they need to hear that. They need to know that the country is still behind them. So, you know, again, just thank a police officer for all that they do to protect and serve.
2: Right exactly you know I read somewhere that you know most Americans have little or no, no really no direct contact with law enforcement professionals. you know uh, They said only only one in five according to the Justice Department, and most of those interactions are, are traffic stops. you know and so most of our our citizens who don't work with law enforcement officers really draw their impressions from what they see and hear in the media. and what we've seen recently you know has not been positive, right? And exactly. you know, the images are unflattering, you know, often very inaccurate and, and over-sensationalized. So, right. you know, I think it's, that's why these, these events, you know, everything that's going on with, you know, Police Week is, is, is so important. Uh, tell, right. us, tell me about some of the other events that you all do throughout the year.
3: Well, we started something new this year in January um, because of all the things that happened from August to December last year with Ferguson and New York City. Um, cops worked around the clock for two weeks to promote Take the Lead, and LEAD stands for Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, um, and we have made that an annual event. Every January 9th will be Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, um, and there will be more details about that event and what you can do in your local communities to support that. Um, but we also we have the 11 hands-on programs, which will start immediately after Police Week, and those are for spouses, the kids, the teenagers, adult children, you know, we have children that they're in literally in their sixties and they just discovered cops two years ago when they lost their dad forty years ago and it's hmm. it's changing their lives even forty years later. Um and then of course we're adding the coworkers and spouses and there's there's just so much that we're doing. Um and then we have special events, you know, locally here in Missouri. Um, to try to support the National Cops, but then we have 49 chapters across the nation that are always holding events, and all of their events and their special events will be up on our website um, fairly shortly. Right now, we're focusing on National Police Week, but um, and so,
0: and like
2: so that was my next question: How does somebody get get more information? Where do they, where do they go to your website?
3: Sure. Yes. Um, www.nationalcops.org, um, or you can call the national office. It's area code five seven three three four six Four nine
2: one one. Well, Sarah, I know you were. We thank you for your for your time this morning. I wish you um, the best to have a successful Police Week next week. I uh, I know you're dealing with the personal situation, so we certainly appreciate you taking some time with us today.
3: Thank you so much, and good luck to everyone else involved in this very very honorable week.
2: You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM. Just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by Federal Long Term Care. Partners Long Term Care Partners administers the Office of Personnel Management sponsored Federal Long Term Care Insurance Program. For more information, go to LTCFeds.com. That's www.ltcfeds.com. We're going to stop here for our first break. When I when I come back, I'm going to bring on a good friend of mine who's in studio with me, Kathy Sands, who's the president and executive director of Women in Federal Law Enforcement, and we're going to talk about their annual leadership
0: conference upcoming. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit LTCFEDS.com today. That's LTCFEDS.com.
2: To Fed Talk, I am Tony Vernetti, and we're on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. And uh, before the break, I was speaking with Sarah Sloan uh, from Concerns of Police Survivors about some of the events. Uh, Police Week and a little later in the show, um, I'll have someone on from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, and we'll talk about what they're doing for Police Week. But now, I'd like to bring on a, a in-studio guest, uh, Kathy Sands, who is with the Women in Federal Law Enforcement, or known by their acronym, WIFL. Uh, Kathy is the National President and Executive Director of WIFL, and she's here to tell us about WIFL's 16th Annual Leadership Training conference in beautiful Tampa, Florida, next month, June 8th through 11th. Kathy, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Why don't you start and just introduce uh, WIFL to our listeners? Tell us about the organization, what it does, you know, how it supports, supports women in federal law enforcement.
4: Okay. WIFL actually started back in about 1978 as an OPM uh, task force on women in federal law enforcement because Women had been previously barred from even holding the law enforcement positions. The first women were hired in 1971 and 1972, and there were less than a dozen women across the nation. In 78, the um, task force was then um, turned into the Interagency Committee on Women in Federal Law Enforcement, and that was a committee between the Justice Department and the Treasury Department. And we started... Back when there
2: was a lot of law enforcement and Treasury Department. <laughs> yes, yes.
4: Back in the old days. Um, in uh, And we started doing our executive leadership training way back when uh, 1984 was about our first conference. And it gave women the chance to meet each other, to network, um, to find out what was going on. Not only a, a professional network, but a personal network. Um women were very isolated because there were so few of us. And um, we continued that until 1999 when we became a And we are now based in Virginia. And uh, we're still carrying on the, the same work. We still do uh, research. We're one of the only organizations that actually researches women in the federal arena. All Just about all the research is done on state and local women in law enforcement. And uh, we have been maintaining our um, awards program since 1984, and this year we will again have our annual awards program, um, which also features our Julie Y. Cross Award for heroism and is named after Secret Service agent Julie Y. Cross, who was the first woman killed in the line of duty.
2: So, I could just you know it's funny we were joking before we started the show I can't believe it's I'm looking at it, it's the sixteenth annual leadership training conference and I, and I was thinking, I think I went to one of the first ones when it was here in d c when the government i was in as you know, I used to work for a t f when it was in treasury, and I believe we were responsible for assisting and putting it on um putting it on that year um but I've been to so many of these throughout the years um and it's it's a It's a wonderful training that you all put together. You really put um, a lot of thought into what you're developing and how that's going to help women who are in, you know, grow in this, what was traditionally, you know, a male-dominated, you know, workforce. You know, I could say that. You don't have to say that. (laughs) You know, back, you know, when I was in a law enforcement agency and and I saw that and I saw how important um, the work that the organization you know did. So tell me about tell me about your conference this year. It's it's back in Tampa, Florida.
4: Yes, um, this year the focus is on um, the blurring of the lines between state and local, federal and international um, crime. Um, many of the uh, criminal organizations now, especially the human trafficking, uh, terrorism, and um, child exploitation, um, things that are done at the local level also have international implications and in international information assists in, down at the lowest level of the community in order to fight the, the different types of criminal organizations. So with that in mind, um, our, our program uh, is going to focus on um, subjects like uh, and uh, Dr. Ann Speckert, who's going to be uh, talking about uh, talking to, to terrorists, understanding the psychosocial motivations of militant jihadi terrorists, mass hostage takers, and suicide bombers and martyrs. She's actually interviewed over four hundred people, hmm. and uh, as you know, this is continues to be a very timely subject matter. We're also going to have um, child exploitation. Um, panel and uh, a human trafficking panel that's a combination of state, local, and federal agencies uh, in the Tampa area uh, to talk about the best practices that they've been uh, working in to combat those areas. Um, We're also going to have, in in the leadership area, we're going to have flash mentoring which we did last year, which was a, a big success. And if you haven't seen Flash Mentoring, it's a little bit like speed dating, <laughs> only it's with um, mentors and mentees where the mentor answers a question, and the after 20 minutes, the group gets up and goes to the next mentor, and another question is, is um, discussed. Um, we're going to have a Women in Power panel, um, which was also very successful last year, and we're, we're going to try it again with a different... Um, Uh, group of women. Um, Some of our um, women in power uh, on the panel will be um, uh, Jane Castor, the chief of police of Tampa, is going to be involved as moderator. But we're also going to have some of the um, women special agent in charge um, from ICE and ATF will also be there.
2: That was that's a testament to I could just tell you what, as I was reading through your agenda to you know the advancement that uh, women in in law enforcement you know not only just federal law enforcement but all law enforcement have made that you have so many of these leaders social agents in charge chiefs of police you know right there where you're having the conference that you're able you're able to bring that bring them in um, let me ask you about the 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 stuff you have on human trafficking and child exploitation, that seems to have been a theme in the past um, couple of years. You've had stuff, um, you know, addressing that. Is that because it's a, it's, it's a new developing area. It's something where there's not enough awareness to.
4: It's, uh, it's always been a, uh, especially human trafficking has always been one of the uh, focuses of WIFL. Um, we do have a number of our agencies that are involved in, in day-to-day activities, and we try to um, focus on some of the things that really allow agencies to highlight their best practices. Um, and it seems to be a growing problem. The, the um, ability of the Internet and the way um, the uh, ability to travel has opened up has made it uh, much easier to exploit children, uh, much easier to traffic women. At one time, uh, it domestically, uh, the subject of, of uh, uh, prostitution wasn't even uh, viewed as trafficking until people actually started analyzing it and seeing how the organizations functioned and that we do have a problem with children being trafficked domestically for um, the sex trade. And as you've seen locally in, in the D.C. area, where we've uh, had cases where the um, uh, gangs have started getting involved in um, getting young women from the community to engage in prostitution.
2: I also see that you're going to have um, Evelyn Chumbro, who's a survivor of child labor labor trafficking. Yes, your presentation.
4: Um, Yeah, she's um, uh, a victim herself, and she has been able to come through this. um, I wouldn't say unscathed, but she is one of the people that has been able to um, really become an advocate for the victims in this area. Um, This is an incredibly difficult area to get people out of once they're in. Uh, they require a great deal of support, and um, not only physical but emotional support, uh, to get through this process.
2: And who are your who, who are your keynote speakers this year?
4: The new ICE director, um, Sarah Saldana, will be our keynote. Um, we're also going to have um, a welcome uh, from uh, Chief Castor. And um we are also going to be awarding uh, Director Saldana, the President's award this year for her career in law enforcement and her contributions to women.
2: Oh wow. Tell me about um this the the special training session that you have here, the Winning Mind for women. Um, Betsy Smith, I believe was teaching it.
4: yes, uh, Betsy Brantner Smith. Uh, Created a, a class that uh, was based as is um, Officer Survival for Women.
2: I know Betsy. She's a pistol. Yes, she is.
4: <laughs> and uh, one of the things we're trying this year is uh, to have a full eight-hour class on Monday. So if you are signed up for the entire program and you're uh, allowed to travel on Sunday, you can um, engage in this with just by signing up and saying, I want to attend it. There's no extra um, fee for it. Um, and she talks um, a lot about the way women police and how you um, navigate in a, in a male-dominated society and uh, taking advantage of the differences between, uh, for example, the way men's brains work and women's brains work.
2: Oh, I'm dying to hear <laughs> some examples now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um uh, she she's actually she's very funny she has some of the 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 best uh video that i've ever seen in my life i it, it, the show the the class is not only entertaining it's 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 spot on and um sometimes uh she talks about not taking our, ourselves too seriously um or attributing um uh actions to uh men um, that we often often do. Uh, one of her examples is is uh, not getting asked out to lunch, <laughs> and and uh, the guys just all assume everybody's going to lunch, so there's no need right. to ask. Guys aren't
2: asking anybody.
4: Right, it, <laughs> and so the, the um, fact
2: you'll make them uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> if you ask.
4: So you know, and and it's 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 uh, understanding those things, and especially when you start to move up and become a a, a supervisor and a manager. In a male-dominated agency, uh, the majority of your people are going to be men. So it does have it does help you to understand how they think and how they approach their problem solving, and it's going to be different than the way you would approach it as a right. woman.
2: Right. There's. I, look, I tell people all the time. There's more than one way to just skin a cat. So. Correct. So you know, use this, use what skills you have, use whatever is there for you. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. I'm here with Kathy Sands from Women in Federal Law Enforcement. We'll continue our discussion about WIFL's annual leadership training after this break. And a word from our sponsor.
4: Are you a federal or U.S. Postal Service employee or a attendant or an active or retired member of the uniformed services? If so, you're eligible to apply for coverage under the federal long-term care insurance program. The program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Find out how at LTCFEDS.com. That's LTCFEDS.com.
0: If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, FedManager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message.
2: Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. I'm Tony Vernetti, and I'm talking with Kathy Sands from Wiffle, and we are talking about Wiffle's upcoming annual leadership training conference next month in, in Tampa, Florida. Um Kathy, I noticed uh, that you have a new track here, a new um, uh, retirement track. You know, that's something that I think is is, is very important um, for all federal employees and, you know, all all individuals to be thinking about, you know, at at all stages in their their lives, their career. Um, But tell us why it's particularly important for, for women and women in federal law enforcement.
4: Well, Tony, um, this actually got started uh, out of a, a conference call that uh, OPM had with uh, a bunch of uh, organizations, and they were telling us that they were finding that women were not putting enough away in their TSP accounts, and when they did put money away, they were not aggressive enough in their um, investment planning. And so they asked our help to um, to help educate the women that attend our training and the other organizations. So we started doing a little research. And uh, I found out that uh, by the age of 75, 50% of all women are single. And that the average age of widowhood is uh, about 56, 57 years old. And that if you become a widow, you, on average, will be a widow for 14 years. Wow. And I know when I went through my retirement training, uh, which was the you know, the five years before you retire, none of this was covered. Nobody talked about uh, uh, what women need to do to prepare for retirement. And uh, one of the problems for women in federal law enforcement is that we face this mandatory retirement age. And so the question becomes, have I planned well enough to retire, or do I have to go to a second career? And if I have to go to a second career, when do I do that? So uh, the class is all about creating options and having knowledge about um, what's the balance between FERS and Social Security, and how does Medicare and Medicaid pay, play into it? What are the issues of long-term care, and not just long-term care for yourself and, and your spouse, but what happens with your parents? Because women tend to be the primary caregiver, Um, How do you balance that? What do you have to do? And if you've got a special needs child, how do you prepare for their life? And so um, this is a a class that's kind of dual purpose. One is to give you the information you need to make the decisions, such as your first retirement and investing, uh, which continues on throughout your life. And, but also to look at what is it like to actually transition from the federal sector to the private sector, which is a, a big transition to go to a company and work a job that doesn't necessarily have a mission but has um, a focus, provides right. a service of some sort. Um, and also, um, what do these companies look for? Um, talking to uh, companies that are... Uh, in corporate security, which only has 10% women, by the way, um, and that comes from women in security, the, uh, the companies are looking for women, but they have trouble finding them. Mm. And they don't know how to find the women in the, in the law enforcement sector because there's so many men.
2: Right. Um, right. So
4: this is going to also be kind of an introduction to, of women to the companies and vice versa, so they have an avenue to get in right. touch.
2: Well, my response to those companies is just like anything with diversity—you need to educate and let and let people know that that there is a welcome place for them to come be a part, be be a part of your team. But it's interesting; your research said that they women were not investing enough, and then when they did invest, they weren't aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't—they were being overly conservative. Yes, oh, yes. They're interesting. The other thing that I have found, and I've done some research myself on this, my other insurance hat. Um, that found that women are really, uh, uh, by and large, are underinsured with life insurance. Uh, they you know don't think about you know that you know as as, as well. H- who's um, who's teaching the class? Is it Tammy Flanagan?
4: Tammy's uh, going to do the uh, furs and investment, and um, Joan Melanson's going to talk about long-term care issues, not just the insurance, but the things you have to consider. Um, which you know includes what's it like to actually uh, have to put some your parent into a nursing home situation, right. um, and we also have um, a gentleman by um, Alan Malincheck. He's a retired FBI agent who now does transition planning. He's going to talk about um, things like w- what's a W-2 employee versus a 1099, 1099. employee, <laughs> how to negotiate for salaries and benefits, which is something federal never had to do before, yeah. right? Right. um and how to interview
2: yeah you haven't done it in a long time oh and it's right? an entirely you get different a new type resume together yes and how do you reduce your career to one page yes you know all, all those things are challenging um but i will give a good uh plug here for tammy uh tammy's frequently on on this show and i think they even got a show they do on the weekend um she's what you call a rock star in the retirement community she she knows it all um and jones a real joe melance is a real good friend of mine so yeah. i must i i say she's a semi-rock star then if she's listening. <laughs> but um, that sounds like a fantastic uh, track um, that folks should be thinking about. So how does somebody get registered for your conference? How do they get more information?
4: Well, you can go to our website, www.wiffle.org and you can click on uh, 16th Annual Leadership Training, and that will bring you to the page where you can look at the various areas that you might want to um, register for. You can register for our, our Julie White Cross Golf Tournament, um, which supports our scholarship fund. This year, we're also having a 5K fun run. Uh, which What's we fun haven't... about 5 k You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, but you get a T-shirt for running.
2: I'll come play golf. Okay. <laughs>
4: And um, you can, uh, if you're, especially if you're local, you can take any one of these um, classes and do it one at a time uh, or a day uh, registration. And we also have our Women's Executive Leadership Institute class, which is being taught by Booz Allen. Mm -hmm. So um, you can register for that, too.
2: Well, I could tell you, you know, I I looked at your your training agenda and there's, you know, there's some real, there's real meat here. Um, And. You know, there's there's a the past couple of years training conference. It's been tough, you know, because there's been a lot of report on abuses and parties and clowns and magicians, you know, and, and part, you know, things in Vegas. Um, and I'm just here to tell you that's not what's going on here. And what gets lost in all of that is that training is is mission essential. The right kind of training is mission essential. You know, so if you're out there and you want to code it as training, you're having trouble, you know, with your with your bosses, with your leadership. You know, I would articulate it that way. You know, you look at these, you know, you look at these classes that they're offering um, at the uh, Whiffles leadership training, and they're real, real classes, you know, that are, that are going to develop the employee, develop the, the federal law enforcement.
4: Yeah, so as a nonprofit. Uh, we can't afford to buy clowns or, or do anything <laughs> like that. Um, and so we really work on uh, putting together the, the best cutting-edge material that we can um, because it's critical to women's development. It's critical to uh, the diversity um, and uh, the, the development of leadership in all of the agencies.
2: Well, Kathy, thank you for your t- time today for telling us about your conference. Thank you. I'm going to uh, switch gears here, um, at the and please stay with us, because we would like to hear your thoughts on, on the Police Week events as, as well. Um, as I mentioned, at, at the top of the hour, next week is Police Week, uh, and May 15th is the National Peace Officers Memorial Day. Um, so this is a special time of year to honor America's law enforcement officers, and particularly those officers who have been killed in the line of duty. Uh, So I want to spend the rest of the show talking about um, the planned events for Police Week, and I'd like to bring on my next guest, um, who is Steve Groinger. Steve is from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Steve is the Senior Director of Communications and Marketing at the Memorial Fund. Steve, good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us today.
1: Hey, good morning, Tony. Thanks for uh, having us with you.
2: Absolutely. Good to talk to you again. Um, So uh, just for our listeners who are just not familiar with what the National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund does, just introduce it um, for them.
1: Sure. Um, Our mission is to tell the story of American law enforcement and help make it safer for those who serve. We operate the National Monument here in Washington, D.C., that is dedicated to uh, the fallen law enforcement officers in our nation's history. we um, are also uh, a clearinghouse for a lot of data uh, on uh, officer safety and fatality uh, information that we then use to uh, raise awareness, uh, help uh, identify trends, and work to improve officer safety.
2: And um, tell me about um, how the how the tell them about the law enforcement museum that you all are working on and how that's coming along.
1: Absolutely. So, we are also building the National Law Enforcement Museum. Um, We're working to secure our final bond financing and we'll be uh, ready to hit our construction mark. Uh, We have all of our permits in hand, all of our approvals. Uh, We've got an artifact collection of over 17,000 items. Um, We've uh, raised a significant amount of money and just need to secure the rest of it so we can uh, construct the building and uh, really uh, do the work that we intend to through the museum.
2: So how does somebody get more information and if they want to donate money, where, where should they go about doing that?
1: Absolutely. Anybody interested in learning more about the museum or making a donation or getting involved can go to www.lawenforcementmuseum.com uh, or they can go to the Memorial Fund's uh, website at www.lawmemorial.org and click on the museum tab. Uh, both, uh, both ways will get you there.
2: So tell us what the Memorial Fund's doing uh, for Police Week.
1: So Police Week, as you as you mentioned, is a real special time for us, um, lots and lots of activities going on. Just to remind folks, uh, President Kennedy in 1962 proclaimed May 15th as National Peace Officers Memorial Day and the calendar week in which May 15th falls as National Police Week. Uh, and gosh, over the years, it sure has grown. Um, we, uh, we're we focused on a lot of events, but I'll name off a few key events uh, that uh, we want to be sure your listeners uh, don't miss. On um, Tuesday, May 12th, around 2 in the afternoon, we're going to have nearly 2,000 uh, Cops on Bikes, known as the Police Unity Tour, uh, arriving at the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial, and boy is that a sight uh, to behold. So if uh, folks can come out and join us on Tuesday afternoon, uh, there will be a lot going on at the memorial and a lot to see and a big celebration uh, welcoming those uh, those riders who have pedaled hundreds of miles um, uh, into the uh, National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. Our signature event uh, is the 27th Candlelight Vigil, which will be on Wednesday, May 13th at 8 p.m. from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. Um, And it is that ceremony where we will formally dedicate the 273 names that we've engraved on the memorial this spring. Uh, And I'll just add in there, Tony, that for listeners who can't be on site with us but still want to participate, uh, they can go to www.unitedbylight.org, and they can register to watch a free webcast of the Candlelight Vigil. Uh, They can also uh, uh, make a donation and uh, light a virtual candle in honor of an officer, whether it be a fallen officer or an officer who is working hard and serving uh, his communities today.
2: So, Steve, I'm I'm going to ask you, um, I I need to take a break here, but I'm going to, when we come back, I want to ask you just to kind of create, because it is really a moving, the Candlelight Vigil is a really uh, moving event, and I want you to just create more of a picture for our listeners, Um, but I need to stop here uh, to hear a word from our sponsors. When we return, we'll wrap up our discussion with Steve Groeninger from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund
0: about Police Week. feds. dot com today. That's LTC dot com. Welcome back to Fed
2: Talk on Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM. We are entering our last segment of the show, and we are talking about the events uh, surrounding Police Week next week here in Washington, D.C. So, Steve, you were telling us a little. Um, I was asking you to give us more sort of a detail to kind of give us a picture of, of the candlelight vigil.
1: Uh, sure thing, Tony. Uh, the Candlelight Vigil is just uh, such a moving ceremony. Um, we uh, we have some beautiful, uh, absolutely gorgeous musical tributes uh, scheduled for this year. Um, we, uh, we have remarks uh, that will be given by uh, Secretary of the Homeland Security Jay Johnson, uh, Loretta Lynch, the newly installed Attorney General, and Madeline Newman, the National President of Concerns of Police Survivors. Um, and then we move into the candle lighting portion, um, which includes a, a really cool uh, blue laser display um, and some really moving, again, moving um, remarks and uh, and musical tributes. And then once we extinguish our candles, um, we move into the reading of each of the 273 names. That we've engraved on the memorial this spring, and that 273 includes 117 officers um, who were killed in 2014, as well as 156 officers who were killed in prior years.
2: And and that's a that's a I'm familiar with it because I've I've had you on the show before. But explain that uh, to our listeners how how you end up getting officers from previous years and sometimes you know, 10, 20, 30 years previous.
1: We have a a team of research staff here at the memorial, um, and and they dedicate a portion of their efforts specifically on looking through history and identifying law enforcement officers who have made the ultimate sacrifice in our nation's history, but have not been reported to us or we have not yet discovered. Um, We have a really dedicated group of volunteers who help us with that. Um, Are keeping their eye out in the local communities where they are uh, to help ensure that each and every officer who has made the ultimate sacrifice Has his or her name engraved on the memorial here, so it's a it's a concerted effort um, And it it really uh, it really happens thanks to the research team and our volunteers uh, that help us throughout the year
2: So tell us about I guess some of the other events that you're involved with during the week
1: Absolutely. So, uh, so on, you know, we talked about the candlelight vigil on the 13th. On May 14th, uh, a number of um, uh, smaller ceremonies and events will ha- will happen at the site. Um, uh, and anybody who's wondering where the place to be is on May 14th, it's at the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial, unless you're registered to attend the Concerns of Police Survivors Conference, and then you would be over in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, but some really fun things that happen. We have a group of runners who have run to D.C. from Philly who come through at 3 p.m. in the afternoon of the 14th. We have our standing watch for the Fallen Flag Ceremony. Uh, which includes many department flags and 50 U.S. state flags. So, some really, uh, really pretty visuals there. Uh, and then uh, Thursday evening, we have the um, Emerald Society Pipe Band March uh, and uh, concert at the memorial, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have 20, 25 pipe bands um, that march from New Jersey Avenue over to the memorial, and then they all stand together and we'll play songs together um, and have some brief remarks. Uh, Really, again, a nice tribute uh, to our law enforcement community. And then on May 15th, National Peace Officer Memorial Day, the FOP and its auxiliary host National Peace Officer Memorial Day ceremony from the west steps of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, And uh, that's the place to be on the morning of the 15th. When they are done there, they will bring a wreath that's created as part of that event over to the memorial where it will be placed in the center, and then there will be an honor guard rotation that stands watch over that wreath, uh, that wreath, lasting until midnight on Friday, May 15th.
2: So if somebody was listening and they wanted to attend one or, or more of these, uh-huh. these events, um, how did they go about it? Did they just show up?
1: of the events that i mentioned at the memorial are free and open to the public um there uh, if folks want to learn more about the may 15th event at the u.s capitol they can go to the fop's website at www.policeweek.org and learn more about that event
2: okay so steve we have about um nine about eight minutes or so left um i wonder if we can spend some time and go through some of the um some of the, the statistics um, that you all report annually. I know when I, I had you on earlier in the year in January. We talked about the, the 2014 compiled data was in, and, and there was a, an increase in, in officer fatalities. Um, you know, how are we looking so far for 2015?
1: 2015 uh, thus far looks um, just slightly better than 2014. So as of May 8th, when we compare 2015 to 2014, We're down 5% in total uh, number of fatalities, so we've had 40 officer fatalities thus far that we've uh, been reported uh, in 2015, and as of the same point in time last year, we had 42 fatalities. Um, A a good news, if there is a good news when you're talking about officer fatalities, is that uh, the firearms-related fatalities that were up last year currently are down 33%. So in 2015, we've seen 10 firearms-related incidents compared to 15 at the same point last year. Now, offsetting that a little bit, Tony, is uh, a slight uptick in traffic-related. We've lost one more officer, 18 this year versus 17 at this point in time last year and we've also lost uh 12 officers uh due to causes other than firearms or traffic related which would be uh primarily uh physical related injuries or if an officer fell to his or her death or was electrocuted or something like that so we've had 12 fatalities in 2015 due to other causes compared to 10 at the same point last year
2: it always amazes me each year how many how many deaths are related to that are traffic related
1: Yeah, it it really is, you know, and uh, a lot of those, um, uh, we really feel like a lot of those deaths are preventable deaths. Um, A lot of them are are single-vehicle crashes. Um, uh, A lot of times we, we hear reports of officers just... Unfortunately going too fast they're rushing to get to the scene and unfortunately uh are involved themselves in an accident uh that prevents them from arriving and being able to render the type of aid that they were uh, uh intending to render uh when they set out to the scene so uh traffic related incidents are especially troublesome uh, and there is a lot of work to be done in that area to keep our officers uh, safe as they work our roadways.
2: So, um, and when I started the show, I mentioned, I, I talked about the events in, in Baltimore um, and Ferguson, and, and earlier in the year in New York City, um, and just that there's, there seems to have been this, this you know, in the, at least in the media, this anti-law enforcement sentiment um, out there. Do you all sense that um at the memorial?
1: Well, you know, we 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 sense it much like other folks sense it just like what you said. Um, we're certainly hopeful that uh, with police week events next week that folks will understand that um, it's a very emotional time uh, specifically for the affected community the survivors and whatnot Um, for many of them attending the candlelight vigil is very close to attending their loved ones funeral so we hope that folks will be um, understanding of why why we're gathered on May 13th and the intent Um, but we really feel like um, a lot of the conversation that has taken place over the past couple of weeks really underscores we're out to do which is to get the museum built you know the museum right. will uh, will be a convening place for law enforcement and people from uh, various communities to have discussions to hold panel discussions and uh, to, to really bring people together so that law enforcement can get to know the community and the people in the communities they serve as well as um, our citizens can get to know law enforcement better understand what they're being asked to do why and how they go about doing their work um, and we've seen you know from a lot of community policing examples when citizens and law enforcement join together it builds and creates the strongest and safest communities and well, that's a big and, and, part of what the museum will do
2: yeah and I would think you know you're dealing with a lot of you know folks and people you know and organizations that are pro-law enforcement I think you know to begin with and when there is this negative sentiment in the air, I think they want to they want to do things that they think are going to help, and and lending support to your organization would would be one of those one of those as well. Um, so, uh, real quick, how does just somebody get more information about the memorial fund?
1: Absolutely. Uh, for folks who want to learn more about the Memorial Fund, what we do, the officers we honor, or learn more about the upcoming National Law Enforcement Museum, uh, I encourage everyone to go to www.lawmemorial.org, and there is a bevy of information there that folks can find um, about the organization and its mission.
2: You know, it was something we had uh, Sarah Sloan on a little bit earlier from COPS, and she was we were just talking about... Um, or I think I was talking about how so few people come in contact with law enforcement officers, and I think she was, you know, suggesting you know we we're talking about the blue ribbon ceremony that you that you acknowledge a police officer if you see them or you go up to them, and you know it's become you know so common in our society now. Every see anybody in, in a military uniform, you know, we say thank you for your service, or if we, you know we do that. Um, I like to you know see us get to a, a day where we're doing that for our our other law enforcement officers, whether they're in uniform or, or out, of, out of uniform.
1: I agree wholeheartedly, uh, Tony. Um, a lot of uh, law enforcement officers have shared with me personally um, how their morning or their afternoon was brightened because as they were walking out of the 7-Eleven, they passed a citizen who who took just a few seconds to say, thank you for your service, and, boy, that really, uh, that really puts uh, some energy uh, uh, behind our law enforcement officers as they go about facing the dangers uh, of the job that they do.
2: Yep. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. Steve, thanks so much for spending some time with us.
1: Yes, thank you for having me, Tony.
2: Kathy, thank you for joining me in studio. Thank you. Just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend, everyone.